Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Lord, you've been putting this on my heart for a long time now. Let me be a warrior with your word. These are your words, not mine. Let your Holy Spirit come into everybody here. Open their ears and their hearts, their souls and their minds. And you hear this word today. I pray that these are your words and they are not mine. And Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of taking one step forward and getting kicked back twice. I've always put my family first, Lord. And it seems like every time I try to reach my goal, I get pulled further from it. I prayed about it, and I thought I was making the right decision. In the year that it was the coldest October. And I waited every day so I could go fly my airplane. And I waited. And then January comes along and you take it from me. And uh, I just want to show Lisa a piece of me that she never gets to see. It's such a significant part of me. And I wanted to use that airplane to show my love and care to Michael and Vic and take them out and see things. And and I want to take Lisa out and show her the beauty of Alaska that I've seen for 20 years. Lord, it's not like it's not like we can go hike the butte, is it? It's not like we can go and walk on the beach, is it? And after all the trials, after what we've been through and what my dreams were when I met Lisa, we took them away. Yeah. And I hear her breathing. I hear her struggle coming down the stairs. And going up the stairs, she crawls. And then the, in those moments when it's just too much, and she cries, she mourns for her old self that died. I, I can't take it. I can't take it. It crushes me because I can't help her. I can't do anything for her. Was it because of my sin, Lord? Would you do this to somebody so beautiful because of my sin? Is it my stupidity? Did I not see things coming? She fidgets, just trying to find some comfort 
trying to find some comfort. Because she is costly in some sort of spirit. And then her breathing slows. And I can hear her fall asleep. And she's asleep, and I pray, oh, thank you. Thank you that she escapes her pain. And please, God, give her, give her a dream. Escape her from her pain and give her a dream that she's chasing Dax, tickling him. Maybe biking some race, climbing a mountain, or walking with me on the beach while Dax plays in the waves. Just give her those dreams. I pray. Lord, we spent our whole life raising kids. These years were supposed to be ours. We had a beautiful life together. And we finally get a chance to spend all our time together. And you take them away. You take them away. And I know I've got a lot of loved ones. But when I'm at home at night and the house is quiet, and I just want to hear his voice. And God answer me one question. Just one. Did you need him more than I did? Did you need him more than I did? God, I know you can do anything, and anything is possible with you. I've seen it firsthand. You've healed my son, Ilya, and I've witnessed it. I was there. How is it possible that can you perform such a miracle, but then allow somebody with such a hardened heart to destroy my country, to take everything from our families, the atrocities that happened. Lord, how is that possible? Is that your doing? Did you do that, Lord? Did you allow him? Because I know you have the power to take that away. A father and a mother should never, ever have to bury their child. I miss him every single day. Every single day. And I just wonder, if he was alive, what he'd be doing now. There's not a day that goes by that I don't struggle Don't. I don't feel sorry. And I, there's not a day that, I, that goes by that I don't feel the pain. Next slide, please. Struggles, suffering, and sorrow. So I've got questions for you, God. I've got questions for you. 
God, is it you that causes so much suffering? If so, why? If not you, if not, you can do anything, why do you allow it? And if it's not you, then who? What do you expect from me during these trials? Is there peace? Is there joy on the other side of suffering? Can you make this pain go away? Is this because of my sin? If I was completely sinless, could I avoid suffering altogether? Or will I always suffer? And if so, how can I prepare my heart, mind, and soul to weather the storms? So we're going to start reading Job. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify, purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each one of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity, he fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right. You may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabines raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. 
While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with, with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep. And all the shepherds, I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldron raiders have stolen your camels and killed your service, servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your ch children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's been going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless. A man of complete integrity, he fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life. But reach out and take away his health and he will surely curse you yeah. to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God? and never anything bad. So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. I'm reading this because I want everybody to be on the same page and know the same story. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz, the Terminite, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Naamanthite. And you got to give me grace on these pronunciations. Because oh. <laughs> if it's like if they're from France or Spain, I, I would know that. So they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. They sat on the ground with him for several days and nights. No one said a word. For they saw that his suffering was too great for words. So, uh, the rest of the conversation that goes on quite extensively is Job finally, after seven days, Job finally speaks. In order to capture that, I grab Dax's Bible for us. Well, can I just read? 
America, the content will be about the same. What? This is your book. Job speaks, cursed be the day I was born. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. The pain lasts. It is as if the night goes on forever. Why does God judge people by what they do when he can surely forgive them? Why doesn't he send me to the deep place of the dead? Why, oh why, does God do this to me? Job's friends tried to offer him advice. Pain helps a man realize God's love and forgiveness when he is well again. God is punishing you for some hidden sin. Repent. All will be well. You must have done something to deserve this, Job. Just tell God you are sorry. But I know I haven't done anything wrong. None of you know what you are talking about. You might be older than me, but you don't seem any wiser. Job, how can you begin to judge God's actions or try to justify yourself before him? How can you ever understand his ways? The Lord challenges Job. And I'm only going to read a little bit, but I always try to read everything that comes out of the Lord's mouth. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me. If you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together, all of the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said this far and no farther will you come. Here, you proud waves must stop. Mm. So God goes on to illustrate how little Job knew of the mysteries of the universe and what God was responsible. How can Job, a man that knows so little, question the ways of God? Then Job responds to the Lord. I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends. 
for you have not spoken accurately to me. As my servant Job has, so take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz and the Termonite, and Bildad the Shuite, and so far the Neamanthite did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortune. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more so in the beginning. And Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived a long time. So let's go back to those questions. God... Next set of questions. Does God cause suffering? Who made Job suffer? Was it Satan? Who started the conversation? Would Job would have he ever suffered if God did not start the conversation? What was the source of Job's suffering? Satan? What, was the sor- what, is, what are there, where, are there other sources of suffering? Man was created in the image of God and therefore free will. God knew he would suffer for the choices of man. Ross, if you could pull up Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, so as man began to toil for food. Competition began. Read it. He said, since you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles but you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Can you imagine a world where you never had to worry about food? You never had to worry about feeding your family. What does man do to one another to secure food. And what sins are committed? That's when sin entered the world. We all know that. But at what levels? Imagine. 
If you've never had to worry about food, how would you spend your time? What would be your relationship with your children? You might be more worried about who they are versus what they will be. Spend more time with them. Would there be a need for nations? Power struggle. Distribution of wealth. Currency. If you didn't have to think about your next meal, how generous would you be? What do the leaders of our nation see? Two Corinthians twelve seven. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from being proud. What is your thorn? What is your thorn? What do you struggle with? I know what my thorn is, to be open and completely honest with you. It's lust. I've suffered my first 50 years because of the choices I made with lust. I was worried more about the parts than I was worried about Personality. That's my that's my thorn. Can it be fixed? Can it be fixed? It's always there. Sin is always there. That sin is very deep. It's a messenger from Satan to keep me humble. He wants to destroy my relationship with the Father. So he gives me a thorn. Separates me. Alcoholism. Can it be fixed? Drug addiction. Sexual immorality. Any form from the same sex relationships to adultery. Sin is sin. No one is worse than the other. It's sin that lives within us. I am a sinner, and I am weak. I am human, and I am fallen. But through God's grace and the blood of Jesus Christ, I am washed clean every day. I crucify the desires of the flesh every day and them to the cross. In our weakness, I seek God for strength. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best. So what did Job's friends do for him in his suffering? What did they do? Right? They sat for seven days. They said nothing. How wonderful that was. That's an amazing 
example of love and peace. But then they started to speak. What do you want in your time of pain? Do you want people to tell you you're wrong? What's the best thing you can do for somebody that's hurt? Love them. Because we're all sinners. We all have our own problems. We don't want to point out the splinter in somebody else's eye when we've got a log in ours. Best thing we can do for somebody that's hurt is to tell them you love them. And you understand what they're going through because you have your own. It may not be the same. I don't know what it's like to be an alcoholic. But I know what it's like to have a drive for something that just burns inside me. It's sinful in nature. Selfish. And it takes me every day crucifying the flesh, giving it to God, deal with it. And it's no different than being an alcoholic. Sin is sin. Know the ones you love, stand by them in all their suffering. No words can ever especially if they're Does that pain ever? But good company can help us move forward. Help us move forward. No words are the right words. Good presence, good compassion, and a long Lisa is very, very, very successful. She's able to help that otherwise nobody else can help. And what does she do? listens. She just listens. She doesn't try to fix because trauma can't be fixed. You can't forget. And she helps them live with it and cope with it. And unfortunately, she's not able to really bring God into the picture. That's the only way to really be healed or to successfully live with an affliction is giving it to God. What about judgment? Are we to judge our friends during their suffering? Because this is a, is it a, because of their sin. Matthew 22, 37-38. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And that's how we get through the pain. We give it to God. We give it to God. What healing was there for Job afterward? Josh, you up on the next slide? Did you get, did you get lost? 
So I'm just going back to the questions I asked at the beginning. Because I'm using the book of Job to answer my question. What healing was there for Job afterward? Did his heart ever heal? When you lose so much and you lose your family, lose your kids, does your heart ever heal? Vic talked about forgiveness, and what is not is ceasing to feel the pain. With Job's focus on God, he was able to find joy, peace, and love. And it's through the pain, and not after the pain, that we find our joy and our peace. It's through it. It's during it. What would be the result if Job hardened his he allowed his suffering to give him, he didn't allow his suffering to give him peace. What happens if you would have hardened his heart? Was Job sinless? He was. And yet he had to suffer. So that answers my other question. And what was the purpose of Job's suffering? Okay. Was it to teach Job a lesson? What lesson did he teach Job? Humility, right? Was it to teach Satan a lesson? Because the argument originally was between God and Satan. Was it to teach Satan a lesson? Hmm? <laughs> was it to teach us a lesson? How many people know the story of Job? Was it a way for us to know God more? Did God ever tell Job why? He never did. Job never knew why. So sometimes we suffer, and it may not be for us. And so in death, in a funeral, in setbacks and failures, never ask God why. Because he's got a plan. And you've got to have that Maybe your suffering is not from you. With the faith of a mustard seed, it could be moving mountains for somebody else. God has a plan, and we have no idea how we ultimately play a part in that plan. His grace is sufficient. Obedience and praise. Our reward is not in this lifetime. It's eternity with Christ. It's not resolution to our suffering. Focus on the prize. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Amen. So when you're suffering, don't harden your heart. What happened to Putin in his childhood that hardened his heart? What happened to Hitler in his childhood that hardened his heart? 
What would the world look like if they just fell to their knees and praised God in their struggle and their suffering and allowed that pain not to harden the heart but to soften it? So many people get hurt in this life and the reaction to their struggles is to harden their heart. They don't see the truth. I said, son, my son said his best friends were the ones who had to struggle. They understand what it's like to need help. I've heard before from most women. When you don't allow suffering to teach the heart, you actually inhibit your growth. You will never reach your true potential. The struggle might be there to soften the heart, not to harden it. If you don't let God use it for good, then it won't be. Think about previous men of power in the wake of destruction. We already talked about that. Romans 8.28, Vic's favorite verse. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God. 2 Chronicles 15. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. If you abandon him, he will abandon you. Yeah. When I went to college, I abandoned him. I left him. And I didn't come back until I met Lisa. And I paid a heavy, heavy price. Yeah. Was it God providing that discipline? Could be. But it's not for me to question. 2 Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. 2 Corinthians 3.5. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. The world is constantly trying to turn you into a bad person. Don't let them win. So what will your story be if you struggle? If your life was a movie, what would you, what would you want your main character to do in the decisions that they make? Romans 5.3 We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. Romans 8.18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory we will reveal to us later. When I was in junior high, it was my first exposure to school athletics playing basketball, and the coach used to make us do wall sits. Does anybody know what a wall sit is? Yeah, I'll, I'll demonstrate. Yeah, it's where you go 90 degrees right here with your legs, and you just hold it, and your thighs just start burning. It only takes about 15 seconds. And it was torture because the coach never told us when he was going to release us. And those exercises continued up up until I was in uh, uh, playing college baseball. 
my college baseball coach would always set a timer and let us know, okay, we're going to do it for a minute. And it made it so much easier. I could go longer. It was so much easier when you know what the end inside is. So your struggle is easier when you know what the end inside is. And that's eternity with God and Jesus. Romans 12.2 Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.6 what is important is faith. It is present itself in love. Amen. Just love that. Mm. Faith expressing itself in love. Just, just love one another. Don't judge. No. Just love because we all hurt. Some level, some way we all hurt. James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it, not, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance is a chance to grow. So let it grow. When it, for when endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Yeah. Mm. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Amen. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that will vastly outweigh them Amen. and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Who, who has suffered the most? God has. Jesus on the cross. Yeah. He experienced the worst kind of suffering that any one of us and he did that to lead us to understand. Because when you've gone through something, you understand. And you can provide that comfort and love to somebody that's going through it. We are not broken. We are given a gift to inspire the world. Being humble and being a sinner, I've got sin within me and I know it. And I'm not going to hide it because I can't glorify the Lord by overcoming it if it's hidden. Being humble, being a sinner, overcoming that sin, 
to give it to God to fight our battles to glorify the Father. Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need you every day. Every day I try to live up to an expectation or present myself to be a godly man. And I just can't do it alone. I know I fail. I fail my family. I fail me. And every day I get up and I try. Live a better life. And I'll take that thorn and I'll pin it to the cross. And I'll crucify it every day with your love. And I will never ask why, Lord. I just, I, I won't. It's not for me to know. It's not for me to understand. And I just, I just, I just give it to you because I'm tired of carrying it alone. Just give it to you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.